0: is Jerry DiPiano, and you are listening to the Love Mia Vita podcast, or perhaps you're viewing it on some other channel like YouTube. Today, my co-host and for a number of continuing sessions is Dr. Catherine Sharif. Dr. Sharif has been someone that I have worked with tangentially for the past two decades, and she is one of my treasured friends, but she is also an eminent professional in medicine. Dr. Sharif, Catherine, please share some of your
1: background with our audience. It's so good to be with you today as your co-host. Um, thank you for introducing me. Uh, I'm an internist in Philadelphia, and I uh, my interest is in women's health. I am um, an advocate for women. I want women to be treated well in medicine, um, and, uh, I believe that women are more than the sum of their reproductive parts. So one of the things that we do in medicine is we have an artificial separation between gynecology and everything else. And so the way I think about it is, you know what? My patients bring their vagina with them every visit and we are going to pay attention to everything. And things that happen to your reproductive organs also affect the rest of your health. And you cannot just put this artificial line between them
0: fabulous. You know, we talk about sex-based medicine. That's a topic for future podcasts, for sure. Today, we are going to have a conversation about what most women refer to as either hot flashes, or sometimes you'll hear them referred to as hot flushes. And more recently, there has been a lot of noise about something called vasomotor symptoms of menopause. So in today's podcast, we're gonna share a little bit about our personal experience, my personal experience, and perhaps Catherine's, although I think Catherine's pretty young. Um, and uh, what we may have experienced, may or may not have experienced with this hot flesh. So what causes it? What does it feel like? How distressing is it? But more importantly, what are the things you can do when you are experiencing a hot flash and then we hope to leave you with three key points. So we want you to take away at least three things from this podcast. So whether you are a woman experiencing the hot flash, a woman healthcare practitioner, or some in some other profession, we hope that we will impart some nuances and some new information that you can take away. And that's really the goal of all of the Love Me Vita podcasts. So Catherine, have you ever had
1: a hot flush? Have I ever? Let me tell you something. I'm in my sixties, I'm flushing like crazy. Oh, that's pretty awful. I have
0: not had really serious hot flashes until more recently. So I went through perimenopause, skated right through it. Had a little issue with dysfunctional uterine bleeding, which is another way of saying my periods were unpredictable. Um, And when I stopped having a period for a few months, I thought I was home free, but no such luck. And then it came back with a vengeance, but didn't really have hot flashes. And then a few years ago, every once in a while, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I wasn't doused in perspiration, but I was super uncomfortable and then kicked all the coppers back to my husband (laughs) (laughs) It was freezing because I had also turned the temperature down in the room to 67 degrees. (laughs) Then I went, oh, yeah, you're really with it. You're having a hot flash. And boy, did it disrupt my sleep. So, yeah, they can be pretty awful. I typically have them at night, though. I don't have them during the day. But I do understand that for some women, actually for 74% of women, these can occur for Starting at perimenopause and extending all the way through to postmenopause. So, I believe the data says that could be as little as six months. Lucky you, if you've only had a hot flash, that, you know, and uh, it's la- the duration of time has been six months. But for some women, it can last as long as 10 years. I guess the average is five years. So, women, if you're out there thinking, when is this going to end? hopefully you're one of the lucky ones. The average is five years, so hopefully you're one of the lucky ones. And then some women don't have hot flashes more than a couple times a day. And for some, they will have 10 or more uh, during the day, at night, etc. So what is it, what, what's the underlying cause? So we look at two things, the etiology or cause and the pathophysiology and Tell us about that. What is it that's going on in our bodies?
1: Well, we don't understand it completely, the genesis of hot flashes. But we know that um, estrogen and progesterone um, control the thermostat in your brain. and When the thermostat um, has uh, an inaccurate reading, um, thinking like you're too warm, your blood vessels will dilate. Uh, to release heat. And you get uh, you get very, very warm and uh, then they contract and then you get cold. It's like having a fever. Um, but it's inappropriate. And it's interesting because um, during menopause, the hormones, it's not that they go down every year and it's this like continuous decrease in estrogen and progesterone, they actually surge sometimes. And so, and then they can stutter up and down and up and down like that. And that's what creates uh, the problem for the thermostat in the brain. And uh, as you alluded to, uh, many people have hot flashes uh, solely at night. Um, And the term vasomotor um, uh, symptoms means that, the blood the blood vaso uh, refers to blood vessels and motor means the little muscles that control the blood vessels that control whether they dilate or contract so vasomotor symptoms is just a fancy way of saying hot flashes
0: <laughs> well thank you for sharing that because we you know we have seen the uh, the commercials most of us have seen those commercials and for those of us that have worked in the in the area we understand where we're going with this, but it, it's always helpful to elucidate what that is. And with with the hot flashes, we talk about this um, this part of the brain, the hypothalamus. And we have more recently looked at different ways in which to address hot flashes. So when we think about women having a hot flash, you know, the joke was ripping off their clothes. I remember um, a friend of mine who would layer even in the summer. And I said, well, how far can you go? I mean, we're not to over here. So you know, she'd start off with a shirt and a sweater or a blazer. Right now you can wear a sweater to work, but in those days we had to wear suits or blazers or what have you. And so we'd be sitting in our office in Big Pharma, you know, dressed very professionally. And before you know it, you know, the uh, the jacket is coming off and then she's unbuttoning the shirt. And I was like, I hope you're wearing a camisole under there because <laughs> where does this where is this gonna end? But it's true. And then we would have little fans. So we would bring these little portable fans in. Sorry. And that was the other thing. So we would we would have all these contraptions, clothing, you know, conventions and contraptions. And I remember my uh my grandmother, God rest her soul, she had a fan. So she would she would sit there and she would fan herself and I, I Nana why are you fanning yourself it's December <laughs> <laughs> obviously I I now know what she was doing we didn't and by the way as a, as um, I will digress a minute we didn't have any education about hot flashes or vaginal dryness or any of the symptoms of menopause. The hot flash was actually okay, you could have a conversation about it. Every once in a while I'd hear my mom say, Oh, I don't, I don't have hot flashes, I just get warm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a little warm. Um, my grandmother would say it was the change. And I had other women who would explain to me that you know, someday you'll know what I'm what I'm going through, but they would never really discuss it with me. But when we when we think about um, hot flashes, there are lots of different things that can trigger the hot flash. So when we think about women who may experience hot flashes more so than others, what are, what are some of the risk factors that can potentially either exacerbate a hot flash or that can trigger a hot
1: flash? Sure. Uh, so one of the obvious ones is drinking something hot. Um, it can definitely make you warm and trigger the hot flash. Um, another thing is alcohol. And alcohol it already uh, dilates your arteries and can make you warmer. And you do you can get a flush uh, when you're drinking alcohol, and so it can exacerbate hot flashes. Uh, that's just for starters.
0: so when when we are having those uh, that wine uh, with our dinner, What's, is there a cutoff point? Because I know that uh, the per, perhaps for some of the women who are listening in, they may occasionally have one, possibly two glasses of wine. Yeah. And there is there a cutoff point? Because I know that at least in my own situation, when I have wine after, say, 9 p.m., late yes. dinner, grab the second glass around 9.15, 9.30, I tend to wake up in the middle of the night and I, I'm sure there are two reasons for that. One is the hot flash. The other is probably blood sugar, right?
1: Yes, yes. And another reason you wake up after alcohol is that alcohol is a drug. So it's like a drug like Benadryl, like it knocks you out. And then after you're knocked out, after you've uh, you know, like hit over the head with a frying pan, fall asleep. The, then the alcohol is metabolized and then you bounce up your brain wakes up uh a, yet another reason to wake up after alcohol um, I would say that um you know uh, alcohol also increases it triples your the estrogen levels in your body each drink uh just for a short time and so hormonally it really does affect you um and general guidelines are that uh, for alcohol uh, it consumption in women it should probably not exceed more than seven drinks in a week uh, meaning or no more than one drink a night or no more than you know uh, let's say you break it up. Now there's new data that's saying even um, even seven drinks a week total is probably too much for women in terms of um, causing cancer, heart disease, stroke and dementia and that we should drink even less. So alcohol
0: is a poison, and whether we want to admit it or not, that in as much as we can enjoy it, I was raised in an Italian family, we had wine, we had really good wine, and uh, so I I drank really nice wine, uh, (laughs) sometimes nice wine that my grandfather made, but nonetheless, I grew up drinking wine, red wine, but it was accompanied often by Caffeine, which is also a trigger, right? <laughs> yeah, <Yes. laughs> So, so I, you know, I had the, I have the double whammy. So it's, you know, a little bit of that espresso or cappuccino, and uh, <laughs> right, and a couple gl- glasses of red wine. So I need to cut out both poisons. As much as I love oh. coffee and I love wine, I probably oh. need to cut back on that because that's not helping my hot flashes. Um, there. What about spices in our food? Because we tend to, you know, we tend not to think about food as causing or amplifying yes. a hot flash.
1: Yes. So spicy food, of course, can trigger hot flashes. Yes.
0: So if you're combining all of these, you have, you know, your hot and spicy, a <laughs> right? You have your rabbiata, your red wine, and then your cappuccino. Yes. You're in store for quite a, quite a, not a recipe like that. So I would, you know, sl- strongly encourage you if you're going to be awake that, and you have a partner, you perhaps want to <laughs> think about waking the partner up, maybe you know, get a little jiggy with the partner because um, <laughs> you're going to be up for a little while. Uh, and if you're having a hot flash, you're going to be ripping your clothes off anyway, so why not? You know, this is <laughs> think of it as an opportunity. And you know, all kidding aside, though, so we try to avoid alcohol. We try to avoid caffeine. Um, be sensible. So there are some natural things that I will do that probably other women listening to the podcast will do. And I, you know, load up the bed with lots of uh, blankets and quilts because my husband's freezing. Because I open a window in December, and even if it's twenty six degrees, we have a window slightly ajar. Uh, we had the temperature set for sixty seven degrees, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I just push all the covers his way. And he's thrilled now. It used to be just the opposite. So I'd take all the covers, <laughs> and he the one that was roasting. And now, you know, a man of a certain age. Now he's. Uh, <laughs> but but we we try to um, we try to think of sort of what are the basic things that we can do, and then the other the other options that we have are really prescription options. And then there are some over-the-counter options. And when we think about prescription options, you mentioned one of them. We won't mention any by name, but let's let's talk about what are the prescription options that have been some are older, some are newer, prescription options in cat by way of category, not specifically.
1: Strangely, that have helped have been things like SSRIs, so antidepressants and When they work, they work really, really well, and I'm not sure why they help so much. Um, And by SSRIs, uh, you know, I mean uh, drugs that are related to Zoloft and Prozac, uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Uh, Another one would be clonidine, which is a blood pressure medication that can help.
0: So we've seen more recently that because the the brain is controls our thermostat, right? Because the hypothalamus controls the is the thermostat, we often do see the would say the influx of those types of compounds that affect the brain. So if mm-hmm. if a woman is receiving a prescription for something that looks like an antidepressant that's classically considered an antidepressant, may not be that she's depressed, but it may be to try to reset some things in the brain. And so you shouldn't be upset if your practitioner may uh, recommend those to to try that um, as an option for you. And then there are some over-the-counter and lifestyle changes that we can make. So over-the-counter products, and we won't be specific about these because Whatever works for you and is safe and that you may have discussed with your healthcare practitioner is potentially something that is more benign. So we always want to start with something that is fairly benign, could be lifestyle changes as we were discussing. It could be that you want to avoid certain things, alcohol, caffeine, hot and spicy foods as you described. Could be that you um, need to lose some weight, so you exercise. Maybe exercise will help you. So those are kinds of lifestyle changes. If you decide that you want to do something that is in the supplement category, it's always good advice. Um, and we we are drug manufacturers, and we are also part of the consumer space. Uh, this podcast is being sponsored by Fempharma Consumer Healthcare. We always advise that you consult with your healthcare practitioner because let's face it, when you reach a certain point in your life, you may be taking a number of different types of prescription medications, but you also may be using some over-the-counter products and the interaction is something that you should really be mindful of and that you should consult um, a healthcare practitioner professional. But in in terms of... um, Lifestyle, do you have any recommendations for women in terms of what lifestyle recommendations or modifications can be taken into consideration?
1: I do. Um, One of them is uh, working out. The bigger your muscles, uh, the more it seems that the hot flushes are diminished, both in frequency and in intensity. And so you can work out and not necessarily lose any weight, but if you have more muscle mass, it seems to make a difference. And so, you know, uh, one of the things to think about if you go to a gym is, um, are you using an elliptical or a treadmill or are you actually building your muscle mass? And, you know, it's one thing um, as we get older, uh, we have just by simply by aging, uh, we have a smaller muscle mass. Um and also women who lose weight also tend to have fewer hot flashes. One of the uh, materials that can make you more comfortable is rayon, which is also known as uh, viscose. And uh, rayon and viscose are the same thing. And they, they are made from wood chips, uh, from basically from paper. And they can be very soft and they, they really breathe and they can make you comfortable at night. So you could have rayon or viscose sheets and uh, pajamas. Um, You can wear layers. Um, Silk will tend to make you very warm. It's a great insulator Um, so silk sheets will make you warmer. Um, One of the things we do at home is we have separate comforters and uh, we're in the same bed but we have separate comforters and uh, and in, in Europe, they often use two different comforters. And so there's snuggle time. And then there's uh, leave me alone and <laughs> get over on your side time.
0: <laughs> That's actually a good idea. I'm going to have to think about that. Perhaps I, I will uh, I'll put that divider in, in my own king size bed. So my husband could stay on his side of the bed and he could wrap <laughs> up in his down quilt. <laughs> but it, it, it interesting i'll have to get rid of my silk pillowcase so i i sleep on a silk pillowcase because it's great <laughs> for your hair right silk is for your hair,
1: hair a, not for but not for night not for hot flashes i'll choose hair smooth hair any day over that
0: <laughs> well i i have to say that you know between the the uh, the silk pillow and pulling it up like a troll on the top of the head <laughs> It actually works pretty well for smooth hair. That's a different, that's also a different podcast. So how do you keep your hair looking smooth? Uh, my my daughter sleeps in a silk bonnet because um, she has very curly hair. Uh, so right. she sleeps in a bonnet, but right. uh, yeah, I'll get rid of the silk pillowcase. I, I mean, <laughs> it's on top of my head, but I'm going to get rid of the silk pillowcase because it's, ne- it's definitely having an impact on my hot flashes. <laughs> you know, we, it, it all, again, you know, we want to have fun here because hot flashes are something that we we all may have or will experience at some point uh, in our forties, fifties, and beyond. Uh, all kidding aside, though, there are some conditions that may warrant a visit to the health your healthcare practitioner to your your physician. So we don't want to trivialize that. So if you are experiencing a hot flash or a night sweat, what are some of the things that we ought to be mindful of? When is it important? Is it always important to see your healthcare practitioner?
1: Well, it really depends on your symptoms because one of the things we don't wanna do is to pathologize normal um, normal physiologic changes in our bodies, right? And it's, it's not like it's a disease. Um, and so, um, but when things seem too intense or too frequent, or you don't feel good, of course you should see your healthcare practitioner. Um, some things to think about uh, that I worry about when someone has um, recurrent hot flashes that maybe, maybe it's a cyclic fever. So did they just come back from a trip, say from West Africa? Uh, something exotic like malaria and you get cyclic fevers with that. Or if you have, uh, have an abscess and you're not aware of it, let's say you had um, surgery on your back and that was months ago, um, but somehow a little abscess formed um, and uh, you really don't have any symptoms, but again, you have cyclic fevers every day at three o'clock you have a fever, you need to talk to your doctor, maybe you have an abscess. And this isn't to give you things to worry about, it's more that these are my thing, my job to worry about these things. Uh, does someone have tuberculosis? Does some which would give you cyclic fevers. Is it accompanied by weight loss and decreased appetite and a cough? Um, do you have lymphoma? And, and something else that can do it is, uh, that causes flushing is, um, of uh, the parathyroids. So the parathyroids, they're four little small pea-sized glands that are sitting near the thyroid in your neck. And if one of them is over-functioning, um, not cancer necessarily, but just over-functioning, you can get hot flashes. Um, so there's there's lots of things for us to look for if you have hot flashes that are uh, problematic.
0: So it's 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 good to keep track of perhaps whether it's in a diary or whether it's just some mental notes, what is the frequency with which you are having the hot flash? Is it tied to other symptoms that may be unusual for you? Um, Have you traveled a distance? Have you traveled to an exotic uh, land? Uh, Have you noticed any other things that have cropped up that may be indicative that this is not just a hot flash? It might be something that's related to an underlying Health condition that needs to be further investigated. So th- that's really good advice. There are there are also some medications. So prescription medications that can cause us cause women to have hot flashes. Um, there is a, a a product that is used um, to treat um, endometriosis. Um, it's luprolide. And women will sometimes go into chemical menopause and have hot flashes. By the way, men being treated with pro- with prostate cancer. So if you if you have um, if you have a significant other and he happens to be a man and um, he is having a hot flash, and he has been treated with Luprolide, that is not uncommon. Uh, clomiphene is something else that um, that may exacerbate or cause a hot flash, and then. Um, what are there? There are a couple of. Um, I think tamoxifen is another one.
1: Yes, tamoxifen will do it. Uh, it tamoxifen is notorious for hot flashes. Right. So,
0: yeah, if you're in chemical menopause, so if you've been treated for cancer, um, chemotherapy, whether it is for breast or ovarian, and um, you've had your um, ovary, you may have had your ovaries removed, um, or you are using a drug that suppresses estrogen, you may also experience hot flashes. So you don't necessarily have to be a woman of a certain age going through natural menopause. All of these types of treatments could be causing or exacerbating your hot flashes. By the way, even though Dr. Sharif is a board certified physician uh, and with specialty in internal medicine, this mean this podcast and anything that you hear on this podcast is by no means a replacement for advice you receive from your healthcare professional. Um, while she is very smart, she, <laughs> I know you listening to the podcast or viewing us, so we <laughs> encourage you to just take this as purely informational in nature. And if you're experiencing any issues, please visit your healthcare practitioner, someone who knows you, who can examine you, or or has your medical history. Um, This has really been helpful. I'd like to ask you for three really important points that women can take away from this podcast. So what are the three things that you believe women ought to take away from listening to this podcast?
1: Yes. Well, I guess number one, it's normal to have hot flashes and they can vary from uh, what you referred to before, Jerry, as just feeling warm, like suddenly feeling warm, maybe from top to bottom. It happens very quickly and it can happen as early as your 30s, uh, your late 30s, because don't forget around the average age of 35, your hormone levels start to go down. And while they're going down, they may go up and down, uh, so they may oscillate. Um, So it's not surprising um, if you do have some uh, symptoms in your 30s, Um, it's normal. And then your your hot flashes, if you get them, they can be as severe as occurring uh, 15 times a day, drenching sweats and so on. And fortunately, most people are not at that extreme. Um, so number one, it's a normal process. If you're worried because you have weight loss or you don't feel well, or you feel sick, please do see your physician. Um, and, and also talk to your physician if you think that you'd like to take an over-the-counter formula. Uh, many of them contain uh, products like clover, uh, soy, things that have, uh, these, these uh, plants, have compounds that resemble estrogen and uh, progesterone, and they may be helpful, but please talk to your doctor about it and please don't leave it out of telling your doctor if you are taking them, they need to know because they can interact with medications. And it's so it's not to say that they're dangerous um, or that they're not helpful, but you just need to discuss it with someone. Um, and then I guess, um, the third thing is, is if your hot flashes are driving you crazy um, and it's not something else, uh, there's plenty of different uh, treatments out there and you're not, you don't necessarily have to take hormones.
0: Thank you. Those were really helpful. I was going to add one fourth thing and I, the fourth thing and I was going to say, this is, you know, the, the two types of, cl- of bed clothes bedclothes that, uh, that you could consider <laughs> the two types of quilts <laughs> around and one for snuggling so I really like that one I'm, I'm actually going to go out and uh I'm going to buy some new bed clothes and I'm sure my husband will be thrilled with that <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you and no more and no more silk pillowcases case pillowcase. <laughs> Dr. Catherine Sharif. Thank you so much uh, for agreeing to be our co-host on the Femme Pharma's Mia Vita, Love Mia Vita podcast. And you have not heard the last of Dr. Sharif, so uh, the two of us are going to be co-hosting a number of podcasts going forward. Uh, you can probably tell that we have worked together a little bit in the past. And Dr. Sharif is also one of our scientific advisory council members. So hopefully this makes for um, a little humor as we talk about this liberating time of life, which is perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. To those of you that are listening in or viewing this, this was the Love, Mia Vita podcast. This is Jerry DiPiano and Dr. Catherine Sharif signing off, and we hope that you will tune in for the next one. Until then, love, Mia Vita. Be well. Take care.